This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. This episode is brought to you by Physician CEO. Finally, a business program for busy doctors just like you. Get the skills of branding, marketing, entrepreneurship, and combine those with your gifts as a physician. Be known as a doc outside the box and define your future. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. Welcome to Docs Outside the Box podcast. This is your official show, looking inside the minds of cutting edge and innovative doctors. Think you'll find these stories in any medical textbook? Sorry, you're getting real life insight from men and women pushing the envelope beyond medicine. Ordinary doctors doing extraordinary things. Let's start now with your host, Dr. Nee Darko. What's good, everyone? This is Dr. Nee. Thank you for joining me on not just any episode of Docs Outside the Box. It's going to be a new series. This is something that I want to welcome you all to. I'm really proud of this. This is a new series that's called The Come Up. And in previous episodes, I've mentioned that I think it could be really difficult to identify with successful people's journey. I'm talking about the people who are on like Step 1000, the Oprah Winfrey's, the Jeff Bezos. Although those are inspiring, I think it's kind of hard to relate to that. So I want to know what it would be like if we all got a chance to listen to or even talk to someone who's on Step 5 maybe. Right? Would it make a difference in your life, specifically if you're on defense? Would it help you even just get to step one? So I think it'd be really inspiring to see successful people as they are, quote unquote, figuring it out. And that's what this series is all about. I'm going to connect you all with docs who are figuring out their life as a doc outside the box right now. And they're going to be doing this right in front of our eyes. Okay. So these episodes, I want them to be raw. I want them to be emotional, uplifting, not too long you know, pretty much less than an hour, pretty much less than 45 minutes. And the best part about this is you, the person who's listening right now, you all can be a part of this conversation. So I am featuring listeners who will allow us to follow them through their journey, right? And also be open to coaching. So this is going to require that you become very vulnerable in this situation, okay? So if you're interested in coming on the come up, Go to the site, www.drneedarko.com forward slash contact. Once again, that's drneedarko.com forward slash contact. Click on where it says request to be on the podcast. There's going to be some forms that come up. Fill out the forms and not too complicated. At the bottom, make sure you let me know that you want to be on the come up. Me and the team will take a look and we'll go from there. Now, my first guest is Dr. Nana Corsa. She is a former nephrologist. She has recovered from physician burnout, and she now practices as a locum's hospitalist, okay? And also, as part of her recovery, she realized that finances played a major role in her stress. And in order to gain control of her life, she really had to rein in her finances. And she's built a really good side gig as a life and financial coach for physicians, Physicians who definitely want to pay off their debt as well as live life to the fullest. Now, she has a mission where basically she 
she wants everyone to know that it's never too late to choose themselves and that it's really important that we live life on our own terms. It's going to be a good one. I want you all to share this episode with everybody that you know on your social media list. That's right. All right. Once again, I'm excited about this new series. This is called The Come Up, and I present Dr. Nana Kosa. Dr. Nana Corsa with the MD Work-Life Balance. Thanks for being on Docs Outside the Box. What's up? What's good? Thank you, Dr. Nijako, for having me on. So I don't know if people know, but we are from the same country, from Ghana. So it's good to have a fellow countrywoman on the show. Yes. Let's give a shout out to Ghana today. Yeah, we <laughs> This just, is awesome. Yeah. yeah. We just passed the Ghana Independence Day a couple of days ago, so... I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about your transition from being, quote unquote, just a nephrologist to now where you focus mainly on work-life balance. You're also a financial coach, and then you also work as a hospitalist internal medicine doctor. So, you know, before we get so much into the nitty gritty, why don't you take a quick opportunity? Let us know specifically about you, where you're located, even where you trained at. Okay, so I'm Dr. Nana Corsa, MD. I'm a former nephrologist turned on welcome hospitalist, and I am also a certified life and financial coach. I trained at Rice State University School of Medicine in Dayton, Ohio. These days, they call it Bunschdacht. I graduated from Rice State and then went to Cleveland to go to Metro Health at Case Western Reserve University to do my residency in internal medicine. From there, I stayed on to do a nephrology fellowship at University Hospital and practiced nephrology for a while. It was 100-hour work weeks. I was just walking in the shoes of that burnt-out physician where I had two young children. I was working crazy hours, a typical day. Involved me waking up at 5.30 and getting home way after 9 and dictating notes in my closet. Let's just say I literally burnt myself out and I knew something had to change. So one day I was driving. Hold hold on. Before you get to that point, because a lot of people, you know, burnout means a lot to so many different people. It's a relative term. Tell us exactly what you were feeling. I want to know what your definition, how you knew that you were burnt out. Take us through those emotions. Absolutely. So the interesting thing is I did not have a name for it till later. I did not know what's going on. I knew I was tired all the time. I didn't have much energy and I didn't have enough time with my family. I always had thoughts of, is this it? Is this what I signed up for? Things have to be different. Things have to change, but I don't know where to start. And I was wondering if I was even in the right field at all. But the bottom line is I was always tired. Mm. And I never had enough time in my day. I always felt like I could use more time in my day. And the energy was not there at all. What point of your career or even how many years into you practicing on your own did you start to feel this emotion or even just this, I guess, your sensation of being tired? About a couple years into it, that's when I started feeling tired. And my, I had my second child as well, you know. So I had two kids under two years old. 
in the household. That's a busy so, household. Yeah. So working 100 hour work weeks, being a new mom and dealing with two young kids. And my son had a lot of allergies and issues and having sleepless nights in addition to being on call some nights. Really, sleep deprivation was also a major issue. So two years into it, having two young children and working those crazy hours really totally burnt me out. Mm, So what was the first step that you took to make a transition? Or, you know, just to kind of say to heck with it, I guess, in quotes, what kind of steps did you take to kind of get yourself out of that situation? So to get me out of it, I used to listen to the radio quite a bit. One day I was listening to the radio and then Dave Ramsey came on and he was talking about personal finance, right? Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, he was talking to a woman that was in her 60s that was worried about her finances. He managed to give her hope and that gave me hope. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is my ticket out of the hell that I'm living right now. I need to get my finances in order and that will mean I'll have options in life to do things the way I want to without worrying about money. So that's where that seed was planted. And so I started listening to Dave Ramsey. I went to the library, got his book, The Total Money Makeover, read it in a few hours. (laughs) Yeah, it's a quick read, but it's good. It is. It's good. Yeah. I was that excited. I just couldn't put the book down and then started listening to his podcast all three hours, like daily. (laughs) And then I knew I needed a plan, right? For my money. Because I think up to that point, I didn't have a plan. I was just like, go to work, come home, wash, rinse, repeat, bills get paid, but who knew what was what, right? So, I came up with a financial plan as to how I could get out of my debt. My student loan debt primarily, like all oh, 260K of it. How much and was it? 260. Oh, wow. So that's a lot. Yeah. How I could get out of that debt and then start living life on my own terms because I wouldn't have to worry about such a large debt being a burden. So, that's what I did. And I started working on that and slowly started chipping away at that. And when it got to less than 100K, I felt like, okay, this is good. I can, you know, I feel a bit lighter. I can start spreading my wings. And I started listening to more podcasts. Dave Ramsey's podcast led me to listen to other ones. Like, you know how I well, choose. Well, let me ask you a quick, this question real quick. Prior to listening to Dave Ramsey, yes, and then obviously going through the methods that he teaches, what was your relationship with money? What was your experience growing up with money? So my experience growing up with money, I mean, growing up, it's not like we were super rich, but we were always comfortable. And in college, I was a little bit frugal, but I didn't have a plan. It's just that I was, you know, penny pinching and just in total scarcity about money. And I read Susie Armand's books even back then. I knew I had I knew the plan, but her plan was so generic, just so mainstream. That I was like, oh good debt, bad debt, that kind of thing. Like, oh good. I'm like, you know, student loan is good debt. So let's bring it on. 
sometimes take more than you need, right? Coming from that philosophy. And I knew like I had to pay off debt and all of that, but it just didn't resonate to me to the level where I felt quite intense about it and I wanted to do something now. The urgency wasn't there. So I was winging it. I didn't really have a plan. <laughs> and there was yeah. scarcity involved. <laughs> yeah. When I discovered Dave Ramsey, it was similar. My wife also, we went to the same medical school, so we had the same amount of debt also. But I discovered him and then kind of quickly got her onto it. And we worked in a very rural area of Pennsylvania, which is about five and a half hours from where our family was. Yeah. And we would listen to his podcast nonstop because, you know, like three hours. Yeah. And yeah. So we would listen to his podcast literally from, you know, Pennsylvania all the way back to New Jersey and even New York to see her family. And, you know, just literally thinking, you know, about what would it be like to be on this show doing a debt-free screen, you know? Yeah. It really changed our, our whole, like, how we looked at money, our relationship with money, you know, listening to people pay off their cars or, you know, purchase cars with cash. Something like that was foreign to me. So that's why I just wanted to get your concept or find out where you were with money prior to listening to the show. It's really interesting to see different people's experiences with money as they're growing up and then how things shift dramatically um, when they hear about something like Dave Ramsey or, you know, any other big financial coach or, you know, radio personality. So Absolutely. Like I said, I was winging it until Dave came along and just inspired me to get intense and get serious. And like he says, punch debt in the face and get rid of it. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And by finding out about him, I also became aware of the personal development industry, personal growth, right? I didn't know about that much stuff either. But like mindset is a big thing, right? Like they've always said. When it comes to personal finance, it's more of a psychological issue, not about the numbers. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can. But once you decide you can, you look for ways of making things happen for you and with your finances, like getting out of debt and starting wealth building plan. And that's exactly what I did. And then listening to other podcasts and finding out about high achievers, people that were making like 30000 a year somehow paid off debt and were millionaires. When yeah, that's crazy. The average, that's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The average physician makes a whole lot more than that. So why are we not millionaires? Like most millionaire studies don't have physicians up there. Exactly. But we could easily all be millionaires. Right? We're all eventual millionaires if we're intentional with our money. I say within like five to 10 years of getting out of training, we should be able to be, you know, have net worth of million dollars or more. But it would not happen if you're not aware that it's possible for you and if you're not intentional about your money. Now, I'm really interested to find out about your career choices because yeah. most people go forwards. They don't really go backwards. Yes. <laughs> and please, please don't take this the wrong way when I say backwards. But you know, like for example, I understand, yeah. You know, like I'm a trauma surgeon, but I did my fellowship training in trauma surgery. The likelihood of me going back and just doing pure general surgery all the time is really low. And same thing mm-hmm. with you, like most people who go and do nephrology, 
That's what they're yeah. doing. The transition to go backwards, you don't really see that that much. So I want to know, like, what was in your mind? Why did you decide to do that? Let's start from there. Like, let's talk about all those things. I'm sure it had to be very difficult to decide. I just want to go back to doing hospitalist work. Like, let's talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Most people don't go back. Interesting trend, though, is a lot of nephrologists are doing what I'm doing. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I saw an example of what's possible by seeing other nephrologists do it. And that helped me make that decision. Now, it wasn't easy, though. You know, it wasn't. So when I was feeling complete burnt out and I felt like something had to change, I knew that most nephrology jobs, you work crazy hours. You take nighttime calls. You drive back to the hospital in the middle of the night. That's the nature of the job. You know, you can spend any given day in three different facilities. Like start in the hospital, go to the office, go to a dialysis unit, go to a different hospital in another town. Just the nature of the game. And so when I wanted to cut back and I discovered locums, which I didn't know either until much later. Yes. Big fan of locums. And discovered locums by accident too. Like after training, I didn't know locums existed. Then one of the hospitals I used to run at had their program implode. And then every week there were a different group of hospitalists coming through. And as a nephrologist, I worked really closely with hospitalists. And so they started telling me about this whole locum life and how you know, you can make as much as you want or as little as you want. You can control your schedule. And that really got me excited. So I thought, okay, to make my transition, maybe I could do locums in nephrology. However, I want to do locums. And yeah. So you were thinking that you wanted to make a transition even prior to this point, prior to knowing even about locums or? You know, prior to that, I knew that something had to change. But I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. Got you. Was it me maybe leaving my job and finding another nephrology job that maybe was not as intense? That's kind of what I was thinking. And then when I found out about locums, I'm like, this is even better. I get to pick my schedule and work when I want to work. Now, with nephrology locums, there are not that many opportunities. like hospitals locums because every hospital now with all the new core measures wants a hospitalist group so that they can make the numbers work for their facility so i noticed that there were much more opportunities during general adult hospitalist work than nephrology and also the pay scale was different where nephrology you do 24-hour call when you do locums most of the time and the pay was the same as a 12-hour shift as a hospital, or sometimes even less. So initially, I think for five months, I did both. I did nephrology locum, and I did hospital local. But then after a while, I thought, you know, true that I like nephrology, but the lifestyle that I want, it's not really serving a purpose in my life right now. And as long as I still get to see patients and I get to bring in the income that I want, 
I don't think is the best fit right now. So mm-hmm. let's put that on hold. So that was the initial thought. And then I worked with my coach through that. It was very hard for me. Okay, so to make you hired that. a coach? Yes, I hired a coach. Okay, to get your mindset right and so forth? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, a lot of these things that I'm talking about happen with the guidance of a coach. Mm-hmm. Dr. Philippa Kennelly, whom I discovered in a podcast. Hey, docs, there's a saying. If you don't have a seat at the table, then you're probably on the menu. Now's the time to define your future by being a part of the Physician CEO program. Physician CEO is a business immersion program developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. You're getting an intensive MBA-style education made up of modules that cover topics like leadership, entrepreneurial ventures, and everybody's favorite, branding. And guess what? This program is designed for busy physicians like yourself who don't have time for an MBA, but still want to be a better version of yourself. Trust me, the program gets you in focus from day one. So get those skills needed to lead a hospital or start a new venture. You're always going to ensure that there's an open seat waiting for you at the table. Don't miss this opportunity because class is filling up. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. Because when I started listening to podcasts, it became clear that all the high achievers had coaches. Oh, yeah. At that time, I didn't know what coaches were, but I was like, wait a minute, these high achievers all have coaches. So I mean, I think it's really fascinating because from a physician perspective, it's really hard to get a physician and you're a coach, you know, now, like it's really hard to get people to at this point who are already high achievers. Like like, I got all of these degrees. I got the receipts to show you. You see Sally May receipts here. What do you mean I need additional coaching? You know, but once you start to put it in perspective of even sports, or even like what you said, like high achievers, you know, you have LeBron yeah, James, you have Serena Williams, you have, you know, other people who are amazing at their sport or at the top of their sport. And they still have coaches outside absolutely. of absolutely multiple of coaches too, not just right who help yeah. them. And then even high achievers in business or high achievers in any exactly. other way, they still have yeah. people who help them. So once you understand it from that standpoint, I think it's really start to get that breakthrough moment from other physicians who are like, huh, maybe I should, I don't think it's for everyone, but I agree with you on that standpoint. Absolutely. It's not for everyone because I think you have to have the awareness that that's something you would like to have Let me ask before you, you even engage. Yeah. Let me ask you this question because, you know, we always like to give like actionable advice on the show. Can you yeah. give us like what are some things that we should be watching out for or the listeners should be watching out for when they're looking for a coach? Because I'm sure you had to do some research on the person that you worked with and I'm sure you had some couple of people that you probably looked up and now that you're on the other end and you're helping other people, what are some things that they need to look for to make sure that they become, or at least that they find a coach who's suitable for them, that they don't make mistakes Mm -hmm. for a coach? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is I didn't really do much research. I was sold based on other people's results. But I knew one thing that I wanted a coach that was a physician because I wasn't going to explain to somebody about residency, fellowship, and how the whole thing works, right? And I wanted somebody who gets me at that level so I could build on that. And also somebody who can help guide me in me transitioning from one specialty to another. 
So I knew it had to be a physician. That was my only criteria because I was sold on coaching. I knew that I was going to get results, right? Because at the end of the coaching, a coach can coach you, but if you're not ready to do the work, you're not going to get the results you want. So my first coach was a physician. I heard her in a podcast and she was talking about how she works with physicians. And, you know, I don't even remember the details of what she said, but I also remember you, that. You sold. You're like, I got you. I was sold. I, was I like, got you. I want to be one of those high achievers. I want a coach who is a physician. She's a coach. She's a physician. I'm calling her. Plus, she's originally from, I don't know, South Africa or, okay. I apologize, Philippa County. If That's I okay. Butcher this, but South Africa or is that? Somewhere in the in southern part of Africa, that's where she's originally from. So that made me want to talk to her even more because she also worked in different African countries as like a bush doctor, although she was from South Africa. And so I just connect with her story. And that's all I needed. Like she was a physician and somehow I feel like she could help me. And so I believe that she could. So. I was sold before I even got on a call with her and we talked and we got started. But for others that are looking for coaches, the fact that you are aware that you want to consider that is like a great thing, right? That's the first step, having that awareness that exists and you want to try it. And then find somebody that you feel a connection to. and also. It's doing the work in the area that you need help with, right? Because coaches can coach people on so many different things. However, we all choose to have different niches to target specific areas, usually based on our own personal transformation. Like for me, for example, I went through burnout and lived to tell my story. And my ticket out of it was getting my money affairs in order that liberated me to explore different options without worrying about money. So if somebody shows up with that kind of me, that's my jam. You know, I got this. (laughs) (laughs) Been there, done that. Right. So if a doctor comes to you and says, well, how about this? Do you oftentimes find that the common theme of a doctor's burnout yeah. Related to finances, or do you think finances is more of like a symptom? I think that finance is more of a symptom. You know, like the money does come in, right? However, people are so busy that they don't even pay attention to it. All the money's coming in, they feel like they've never had enough. So their mindset about it, it's not helping them, even though they're working like 200 hours a week. To make the money they're making, they feel like, oh, if I stop working 200 hours, then I'm not going to have any money. So I don't have a choice. I just have to keep doing it. Guess what? The good news is you have a choice. You don't have to work 200 hour work weeks or even 60, for example, to bring in money. There are so many ways of bringing in the same amount of money that you're making now without having to kill yourself. But if you think that you'll never have enough, then you're scared. But the reason why people think they don't have enough is they're not being intentional about their money. They haven't even 
looked at the money to see where money is going and how much is coming in. They don't have a rainy day fund to fall back on. Yeah, that's, so, a, big deal. that's a big deal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The good Living, old emergency fund. Yes, I love my emergency fund. What's a healthy emergency fund for those who are listening right now? And they're like, yeah, 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 that's great. No, but how much do I need? Like, what do you tell people is a healthy emergency fund? Baseline three to six months is good. Mm -hmm. But for me, I do six to nine. Right. At one point, I even had 12, and I was kind of ridiculous. Well, that money needs to work for me, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I did when my wife became pregnant. And I think that's yeah. the best way. Yeah, yeah, we just had some extra savings just in case, exactly. you know, something didn't go right. So I'm glad you say that. It's interesting that you talk about the scarcity mindset as well as being intentional with your money. I was the same way. I had the same type of thought process of, you know, I don't see myself leaving medicine for a significant period of time. But also at the same time, I think I'm a lot more efficient with how I make the money now that I do locums. And I'm not working myself like a dog like I was before. Literally, there was a point where I was working like two FTE. It was crazy. Head out, yeah. yeah. But you don't realize it, though. You know, as a locums, you don't realize it, right? You're just like, well, I yeah. just need to just, you know, keep up and make this, make this. But then if you actually calculate the amount of hours that you're working and compare it to how you're working before, you're actually working more hours. It's very easy to work more hours because nobody's keeping track of it, right? Nobody's there to say, oh, no, 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 you know, doc, you're like you're doing too much. And yeah. once you start to realize what you can do with what you're making and how that money can stretch, it's really fascinating. It's very fascinating. It's really interesting to hear when you're talking about being intentional of your money, not having a scarcity mindset, doing some other things. We've also had people on our show talk about passive income also. So I'm sure you probably talk about that also. It's really amazing once you open up your mind, what you can do from a financial standpoint. Absolutely. I agree with everything you said. Having that emergency fund, it's really important. Now, like some people recommend having it after you've paid off your debt. But I always say, even while you're paying off your debt, at least have two months put away. (laughs) That way, if something unexpected happens, you don't find yourself so worried about money. That helps give you peace of mind. When I have like nine to 12 months of emergency fund, you know how locums is like you could have. Feast and famine, where sometimes you have a lot and then other times kind of it might run dry. But by having that emergency fund, I was never worried about getting locum assignment. Because a lot of people are like, well, the locums, you kind of have to hustle to get your shifts and what happens if you don't have it. But if you have a nice cushion put away, and you know that I could be home for even 12 months without worrying about money, you could do locums with peace of mind without worrying about when your next paycheck is going to come in. In addition to that, regarding the intentionality about money, I strongly believe that if you decide that you want to be intentional and you're willing to think outside the box, you can have so many ways of bringing money in without working the crazy hours like you were saying. Like, because when you do locums, You could reverse engineer how much you want to make annually and work only that much. Mm -hmm. For example, in my case, I'm like, okay, um, I want to make X, Y, Z a year. Divide that by 12. 
that's yes. like this amount a month. Doctor, so how, yes. how many shifts a month do I need to make that? Say I need four shifts a month to make that. Perfect. That's all I'm going to work. However, I could say, okay, I want a vacation. So I want to work extra so I can double up if I want to. But I know if I work only four shifts a month, I have more than enough to meet my needs. So that's really like one of the coolest things about locals. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. That's the advice that I give people too. What do you want to make for the entire year? Divide it by four. And then once you divide it by four, which is quarters, right? Every four months or so, just decide how much do you want to bring in for those months? Just map it out, right? And you know, if you don't have a map, then that's when you end up being like how I was, where you're working like two FTE because you're just jamming yeah. so much time. And you're like, wait, slow down. Just take yes. How much do you want to make? Divide it by four. And then like you said, get the shifts going that you need yep. to do for each month to be able to get to that point. And like you said, you can end up reverse engineering and having the life that you want and saying, you know what? Well, maybe, you know, maybe I don't have to work the entire month. Maybe I only have to work two weeks out of the month. And then the other yeah. two, I can travel because I have a very good friend of mine. She's a trauma surgeon. She may be listening to this podcast, but she literally, and she's probably on her way right now to Vietnam, but she is very intentional about, she works when she works, but the rest of the month is her time to travel. And she sticks to that. And she's very adamant about that. And the other thing that I admire about her, and I'm sure you talk to the people that you coach also is the power of no, right? Because Yes. As you know, as a locums and even just as a doctor, like I think we have such a fear of missing out or we have this ability to please or we want to please all the time that we don't know how to say no. We don't know how to have any boundaries. So when, yes. people, when people ask or as a locums, people ask, hey, can you do some extra shifts? You're just like, well, you know, this job may dry up. I could always use the extra money. And yeah. that additional time is time that's away from your family. That's additional time that you can't travel. That's additional time that you can't do whatever you may want to do. And then also just, you know, if I say no, they may not ask me to come back again. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've just learned and I've seen through her, my good friend of mine, that she's very stringent on it. She's like, no. And like, there's no qualifications afterwards, right? No is a one word sentence. No, it's a, yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So do you see that in your um, fear of missing out or, you know, just wanting to please all the time? I, I definitely saw it in myself and yeah, I teach okay. my clients to avoid that. When I first started, granted that I wanted to pay off my student loan debt and I was just like working like crazy. I almost burned myself out doing locums, right? And you know, hospitals is usually week on, week off. So like 14 shifts a month. These are long shifts. So I kept saying yes to extra shifts, trying to please people, like you were saying, and worrying that, oh, if I say no, and they don't invite me back, that means I will have a dry spell, and then what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. So one day, like, I was at a place where I noticed I was working 21 days a month, and the regulars were working less. And I was there all the time. And I was starting to get that same old feeling of fatigue, right? That familiar feeling from burnout. That's when I thought to myself, what am I doing? I decided to do locums to have flexibility and not have burnout. And here I am saying yes to everything and not saying no and just wanted to please people so I can have extra shifts. 
So that's when I knew something had to change. And that's when I decided to get more intentional about what I want and actually map it out as to how much I want to make and how many shifts it requires to do that. And also having a nice emergency fund cushion there. So I'm not worried about, oh, if I say no and they don't invite me back, that means I'm not going to have any money. Guess what? I'm like, cool. I get to stay on this month and have fun with my kids. I have plenty of money. Let's go on vacation. <laughs> right? I'm not All working right. this month. Right. So now, I'll leave it to you like this. When I first started working, the first thing that everybody was asking me and my wife was, when are you going to buy a house? Right. Yeah. And we would always tell everybody, we don't need a house. We already have a house. Right. Which yeah. we didn't. But, you know, our house to us was our Sally Mae payments. Right. And, yeah. You know, so we like, we don't have a house. So we would rent. Right. And we still rent to this day because we're just not ready to get a house yet. And to be honest with you, I got, Same here. I got the heebie jeebies about jumping into a mortgage right now. <laughs> uh, you know, I just got out of debt. You know, I'm not ready to go to that life yet. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen it. You have colleagues. I have colleagues someone gets their first job or, you know, they go and they get a huge bonus and they buy a equivalent of a mansion or they have planes or they have all the toys. And, you know, because of the delayed gratification, they're kind of giving themselves, you know, those things that they've kind of passed off on. And look, rightfully so, and I'm not here to judge, but I'm always interested to find out how do you get that person who's just like spending like crazy and obviously may or may not be happy how do you get that person to change their mindset from a financial standpoint or whatever standpoint that you may have to do to get them to change their mindset to be able to back away and maybe sell some of those toys and downsize and maybe get the freedom that they want? Maybe they'd be a lot more happier. We've always been interested in those type of extreme cases. So, but lifestyle inflation is a big problem for physicians. I think that's the number one source of the problem for physician finances. Because as residents, we were making what, like 30K, 50K the most. Yeah. You become an attending and it's 10X plus more. But somehow, although we could live on 30 to 50K, suddenly some people get super excited and buy so much stuff that they end up spending more than they're bringing in. That's why the 10X or 20Xing of their income. So... I would say that for for new attendings and also for those who are young at heart as physicians when it comes to personal finances, watch the lifestyle inflation. You don't have to go buy a big house just because the bank says you can afford it because that doesn't always work. So a lot of my clients that come in with that, though, the good thing is the math don't lie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it. It's a good point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's look at the math. So if you're bringing in this amount and you're spending three times that amount, we have a problem. We have to stop it. Now, some clients get excited and get on board, but unfortunately, others choose not to. And that's just the bankruptcy. One step away from bankruptcy by the bank income. And that's just rather sad. Some people end up with two or three bankruptcies because they want to keep up with the Joneses and live up to the what the physician's lifestyle is supposed to be. Who gets to decide? You get to decide. You don't have to do things because you think that's what society or somebody expects from you. 
I think by being more intentional about your life and knowing what you want and focusing on that goal, you're not easily distracted. Otherwise, a bank could easily tell you, you can afford $5 million house. Does that mean you should get it? No. (laughs) You'll be house poor. (laughs) You spent all your money paying that off. So I really encourage people, like especially the new graduates, to not buy houses right away. I still don't own a house. However, I have rental properties, right? I'd rather have that there you go. <laughs> Work for me than just use it for an expansion. So, yeah, you don't have to rush to buy out, especially when you get a new job. You don't even know if you're going to be there a year later. Get to know the area, you know, before you lay down those roots. And also when you do, don't spend more than 25% of your money on your mortgage. Anything more than that, then you're getting house poor. And is it really worth it in the long run? Not really. One trend that I've noticed that I find really exciting are my millennial clients. A lot of them graduate. And guess what? They move back home with their parents. Yes. Yeah. And then pay off their student loan debt within a couple to three years. And then after that, save, go buy a house, move out and start building wealth. And I thought that's really cool. Now, it's not for everyone. Not everybody wants to move in with their parents. But I thought that was really neat. That's the other extreme. But, you know, I am to that extreme. And I really love that. But if you don't want to do that, and you were making 50K as a resident, how about you start living on 100K? I mean, that's not too bad. Or 150 instead of just overstretching yourself and Mm -hmm. just blowing all that money before it gets to you. And that brings to mind Shaquille O'Neal when he first started. I think he got like a nice payment for his work and he went and spent so much money. When he got to the bank, the bank owner said, oh, you owe half a million or something like that. (laughs) He's like, what do you mean? I just got a big fat check for millions. Like, well, you went and spent it all. But Shaq turned it around, and now he has so many investments. Oh, yeah. He's, from so a financial much. standpoint, he's a samurai now. Yeah. Yeah, he's been so, really good. He learned from that mistake. So it's never too late for anyone. We all can make mistakes, but we can always correct and go down the right path for mm. ourselves. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Dr. Nana, I want you to complete this sentence. I'm not just a doc. I'm a... I am a mother, a financial coach, and a life coach. There you go. Boom. I love it. Love it. Great, great answer, Dr. Nana. Thank you so much for coming on Docs Outside the Box. This is a great conversation. I think we're going to have to make this a series because there's going to be some times where, you know, there's going to be some questions that I've been getting that I would love if maybe you can come back on the show and help me answer. What do you think? Absolutely. I'm down for that. That would be awesome. Anything to help people see what it's possible for them and being an example of what's possible. I'm always in for that kind of stuff. Yeah. 